read. And so from the NIV, John 6 verses 1 to 15, and this section is entitled, Jesus Feeds the 5,000. Some time after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked, he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for um, each one to have a bite. Another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw Jesus, the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So far the reading. Thanks, John. And, um, yeah, welcome, welcome to everyone today. And, um, yeah, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to come up and stand here before you. And, um, yeah, I want to particularly acknowledge you, Andrew. Happy birthday. I hope you're sitting back at home. Feet up on the couch, cup of coffee there, sue at your beck and call. Uh, this is your day. Um, everyone loves a day off on their birthday. So here I am, there you are, this is my gift to you. Um, to be honest, I'd probably rather just give you a bottle of wine or something because there's quite a bit of work uh, to do this. But um, look, in all seriousness, Andrew, I really do appreciate your uh, challenge and encouragement to, to me and other, others in the church to step up and do this. Um, I've certainly been encouraged by the study that I've done in preparing for today and um, church and everyone listening today, I hope too that you are encouraged by this as well. So here we are, here we have the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Um, Jesus, a very popular name, a popular person in historical uh, terms, known certainly within Christian circles but known outside Christian circles as well too. Um, and this story of the miracles that Jesus performed, probably one of his more well-known, probably one of his more famous, and certainly the Gospel writers felt that as well too. We look at this uh, event here in the Gospel of John today. Um, of course, there are other Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark and Luke, who also saw fit to write about this story. So, what is it? There must be something particularly important about it. And um, a couple of things I sort of struck me from that one fact is, we have four historians, four writers, all took the time to document this event. That gives us, uh, reading today, confidence in the truth uh, of this story, that it really did happen. Added to that, 
we have gospel writers who, of course, we know didn't write of their own uh, thoughts, but were certainly inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, and through these writers, saw fit to repeat this story in four different Gospels. What does it say to us? It must be important. Let's listen up. So, obviously, as I said, it's a well-known story. For many of you, you might have heard this through Sunday School, through Turbo Kids, and um, you're familiar with what happens, familiar with the narrative. And um, there's been a lot of interpretation, a lot of um, we can get out of a story like this. Um, some would say... Jesus' model of um, providing food for people is a model we should follow as well too, providing for those in need. And, and certainly that is to be encouraged, as we've heard uh, being Cap Sunday as well too. Um, others would say that it's just a, a sign of Jesus' compassion for people and we should model that as well too. You might also say that it's a, um, it's a model for church leadership where Jesus uses the disciples to distribute this food. And I think there's truth in that as well too. But I would like to sort of put it to you that there's a little bit more in this story and I really want us to get into that today and to get a good understanding of what uh, this, um, this miracle, this sign, as we're going to learn about, is uh, of relevance to the people at the time but also of so much relevance to us right now listening today. So, look, I know... We're on this online format and it can be a little bit hard just staring at a screen, but I'd really ask you to sort of engage. And, and what I'm going to suggest is to have your Bibles open in front of you. Um, we're reading from the NIV. I just really feel I'm going to go through the text, through these verses, and if you're following on uh, in your Bibles, following along with each verse, I think it'll be a lot uh, better and a lot easier for you to engage and stay in tune. So I'd encourage everyone to do that as we go along. So... Um, let's get into our Bibles. Let's look at uh, this, um, this passage again. So we'll start from verse 1 here. So sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So here we read that the signs Jesus performed, the miracles he performed by healing the sick, and Look, there's a lot of talk in churches today about the miraculous and about healings. And look, I'm not going to get into that too much now, but the, the text here tells us that these were signs that Jesus performed in healing the sick. So we need to think, well, what are, what are signs? What, what is a sign? What should we um, gain from it? So I have a couple of slides just to put up uh, now, just to get you sort of thinking. So when we think of signs, we probably think of road signs. Road signs warn us of what's coming up, what's ahead, what's around the corner. And look, it's important that signs make sense. And obviously reading this one here, I, I don't know what, well, they're just telling us to do nothing. I don't know. I don't know. We just get confused looking at a sign like that. Um, going on to the next sign, Jen and I some years ago were privileged to travel um, around Egypt. And um, this was a sign that we uh, found to our amusement in, uh, in southern Egypt at the time. And um, Look, it's important. I think we know what this sign means, uh, what it's trying to tell us to do. But can you imagine if someone took this sign literally uh, and went to, I don't know, exchange here for a bicycle? I'm not, I'm not too sure. And I'm sure we all have stories where um, English can be a bit lost in translation as we, uh, as we travel to other countries. So other signs, as we go to the next slide, may come with a promise. There may be something good uh, coming our way if we do a certain thing. Now, this is a sign that I encountered on our trips up into the Northern Territory and I don't know, I guess they treat economics a little bit differently up there. Or maybe it was just a, a very uh, well-meaning businessman, perhaps a Dutchman, um, I might uh, suggest. 
But um, look, let's let's move on. And uh, another slide um, I have up there is from a marine park that we went to. This was out in Western Australia, and hey, they do things a little bit differently out there. But this sign comes with a warning. Um, uh, certainly my kids followed very closely to us as parents when we went through that place. So enough with those, but let's just, let's just look at this. When we look at the miracles of Jesus, there is a, a sign. So we need to think, well, what is Jesus trying to show us? What is he trying to teach us? What is it we don't see right in front of us that he wants us to direct us to? What is the significance of this or the significance, if you want to spell that out? So let's continue here in verse 3 as we look at this together. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside, sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. So picture this, the Jewish Passover festival. This is a time of historical significance for uh, the Jewish people at the time. It's a time where they remember back to the, to the days which uh, the Lord, by his mighty hand, brought them out of Egypt, brought them into a new kingdom and really raised them up. So they really, there's a sense of national pride perhaps going on at this time of year. Let's continue. Verse 5, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had in mind what he was going to do. So here we meet Philip. Now, do we have any Philip? Philip's listening today. Um, I'm not sure. I know in our church community we have some Philips. Uh, shout out to Shane. Hope you're watching. Be good to catch up with you sometime soon. We have a Phil. Thank you, Phil, for all the hard work you do within this church. But look, here we're talking about Philip. And Philip could be any one of us. And what we hear here is that Jesus um, says this to test Philip. And we could read that and think, is Jesus trying to trick Philip? Um, but no, it's not like that at all. Um, when we think of a test, think of, think of oh, a number of you, hopefully, um, are younger kids at school, perhaps. Um, if a teacher sets a test for you, what do they set a test? Well... They want to know what you know. They want to know if the information that they've taught you has sort of sunk in. So let's, let's keep that idea of a test in mind and, and let's have a bit of a look at what Philip does and how does he go with this test. So in verse 7 we read, Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each to have a bite. Philip failed that test. Philip had seen Jesus perform other miracles, but he looked at the situation, hungry people, no money, situation's hopeless. He looked to the physical things and not beyond that. He failed that test of faith. But then we have here, Andrew speaks up. Now we have a couple of Andrews uh, in our community, one of which uh, is our pastor, of course. So Andrew chimes up, he must know better. We read on in verse 8 and 9. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish. So here we go. Andrew's got a solution here. But we read on. Oh, but how far will they go among so many? Sounds promising at first, but Andrew failed that test as well too. And something just to note here. I mentioned before that all the gospel writers um, tell of this story. But here John mentions another particular detail that this bread was five small barley loaves. Now, barley loaves, um, at the time, they're kind of like, it's like the poor man's lunch. It's like, um, they're just like a small sort of cake. Um, so it was certainly the lower quality end. I don't know if we have images of this boy with a big sack full of bread. No, no, not at all. These were five small little cakes. And the fish would have been little like 
anchovies or something like that, just to give the bread a little bit of flavour. Certainly wasn't a boatload of salmon or anything like that. And I just found it interesting that John took it to point out this detail. And there's a few different views as to why that has been. And um, some may say that it's, it's an indication of, um, of the, the extent of this miracle, that from so little, Jesus could provide so much. Maybe it's a reflection of, of Jesus himself from you know, the poor beginnings, a carpenter's son, to then achieve so much. It could even be a representation to us um, that Jesus chooses to use us, simple, lowly, sinful that we are, to further his ministry and continue his call. Just something I found interesting and, and thought, uh, thought I'd share that part of it. So let's continue on in verse 10. So Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. So I don't know about you, but um, the idea of grass um, in a lot of these Middle Eastern Jesus time sort of settings, I often think it's going to be like sand and stone and rocks. But no, this was, we read that it was the time of the Jewish Passover, so it was springtime. Uh, there was a lot of grass everywhere. It would have been quite lush and quite nice. And um, kind of like now, and, and the weather's sort of clearing up a little bit today, but um, it's springtime around here. Um, I know we're sort of... Uh, been in this lockdown for quite some time and don't know about you but certainly the, the backyard and the lawn at my house is looking uh, very well attended to, um, perhaps over cared for, perhaps over groomed, um, certainly more than the hair in our heads, some of us desperate need of a haircut but that'll all be sorted soon. But picture it, springtime, the crowd of people sitting there, it's a nice day, grass everywhere and we're told here there's 5,000 men. Now I don't ask me why they only counted the men. That's what we have here. But many scholars would suggest the crowd was more like 15,000 or so with women and children included. So um, 15,000 people, try to picture that. Um, I was trying to think of an example of that. Maybe, um, maybe a few soccer fans out there. I know there's a lot of it. That's, that's probably half of Amy Park. If any of us know what the inside of a stadium looks like, uh, it's been so long. But just get that sense of there's a lot of people here. It's a nice spring day. Um, they're hungry. The situation's a little bit hopeless. What's going to happen here? What's going to happen next? Jesus certainly had their attention. Something's going to happen. And we read on in verse 11. Jesus then took the loaves, he gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. <clears throat> wow, the miracle. On full display to the 15,000 people there, Jesus reveals his power. He feeds them. Not just, not just feeds them, not just a few bites to eat. They've had their full fill, we read here. And there's food left over. This was a clear display of Jesus' power. He had their attention. The crowd saw it. They were in awe, they were amazed. And we read on in verse 14. After the people saw the sign, again, this is clearly called a sign, Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. So how did the crowd respond? They saw this man, this Jesus, perform such a great miracle. They saw with their eyes what he had done. The crowd begins to murmur amongst themselves, who is this? Who is this man? How, how can he do this? He's, he's a prophet. He must be a prophet. He's sent from God. He's got God's power. Hey, this guy's going to be really helpful to us, isn't he? 
Remember the days in Egypt? Remember the Passover? Remember when God sent prophets to bring us out? Remember in the desert where we were fed by manna from heaven? Remember those miracles that performed to our forefathers? These times are coming back. We've currently got these Romans ruling us. They're occupying us. They're limiting the way we can do our worship. Um, we can't get enough food to eat. They're, they're sending corrupt tax collectors here to take all our money and send it back to Rome. Let's be rid of them. This, this guy, he can send us. He can take us out of this situation that we're in. He, he, can, he can bring us out. Come on, Jesus, they were saying. Come on, let's get rid of them. Let's get them, Jesus. Let's, let's change the situation we're in. Were they right? How did Jesus respond? Reading on in verse 15. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. What? <laughs> Amongst all this excitement, 15,000 people were so impressed, so amazed, Jesus just put on a display of his power. They wanted to make him king. They thought this guy was great. And Jesus withdrew from them? This should be a huge red flag to them and to us as well too. You see, the people interpreted the sign but they interpreted it wrong. They saw Jesus as bringing to them the kingdom of man. They saw them as Jesus bringing to them the have-nots, a new scenario where they could be the ones that had an abundance. They thought they could switch places with Rome. They thought they could bring, be the new ones in charge. They wanted their best life now, and Jesus saw this. Their plans, though, were short-sighted. They were human. So let's fast forward to us here today in our time. How do we come to Jesus? Who is he to us? Is Jesus a one-stop shop 24-7 that we can come to him with all our wants and needs, with our own agendas? Is Jesus like a genie in a bottle, perhaps, that we can ask of him wishes whenever we require are we looking just for the physical needs, for our own wealth, for our own success, for our own abundance? Because if that is our expectation, Jesus will, as he did from the crowd, withdraw from us. See, Jesus doesn't promise us that. He teaches us that they will persecute you as they persecuted me. And he says, the student is not above his teacher. Think of the life that Jesus modelled, and he sets that same for us. If we come to Jesus with our own plans, our own earthly wants, our own earthly needs, he will withdraw from us. If that's what we want, if that's what we need, if that's what we feel we need, sorry, then leave Jesus alone. He will withdraw. So what does Jesus actually offer us? Well, the large crowd of Jews, in part, had it right. They came back to thinking of, the time in the desert. They came back to thinking of when bread from heaven came and God provided for them. Because what we see here in this sign is that Jesus is the bread that's come from heaven. You see, the people were thinking of the physical, but Jesus was thinking of the spiritual. He is the bread of life, the bread come from heaven to feed our souls. He is the only one who can give us eternal bread, super bread, and life in eternity in his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Let's think back to Philip and the test that Jesus said to him. Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat 
See, Philip saw a crowd. He saw hungry people and he saw the solution as more money. Jesus looks at the crowd and sees a spiritual hunger, a spiritual emptiness. How's that for you and me? Do we have that sense that things in this world can satisfy but not fully? Do we have this sense in us that there is an emptiness that needs to be filled? Jesus looked at the crowd then, as he looks at us today, as he looked in times before at Adam and Eve in the garden, where Adam and Eve hid from their, um, from their God in shame, in, in, in their sin, they hid. They saw that, um, uh, that emptiness and Jesus sees that too. Ask us to consider ourselves at the moment. Are we hungry? Where are we being fed at the moment? Now I know for each of us, there's, uh, we're coming out of this lockdown and maybe there's a few bad habits there where perhaps we've, perhaps we've gone to entertainment, television, gaming, whatever it may be, um, that has, has, we've sought to fill that emptiness, that we've sought to fill that void. And I encourage each of you now to take this unique time that we're in, not to just exchange one set of worldly uh, things, worldly pleasures to, um, to get us by, but to really look at how are we getting fed by Jesus? How is Jesus feeding our spiritual needs at this time? And I'd, I'd encourage you all to think that way at this time. You see, when we eat, think of, think of like eating a hamburger or something like that. You know, the meat in there, an animal had to die for that meat. The bread, in John 12, Jesus tells us that he is the grain that had to die so that we may live. See, for us to eat, something must die. Jesus knew this full world, didn't he? When he asked Philip, where should we buy bread for people to eat? Where's that bread come from? My bread come from heaven. Jesus came down from heaven so that he may feed us, so that he may give us life. Where do we buy it? It's actually freely given. Jesus gave his life on the cross. He gave everything so that we might live. And now we have this gift of free food, free eternal food right before us that we can receive. So let's wrap this up. Are we hungry? Are you hungry? Would you like free food? Maybe you'd like an inspirational or political leader that will promise you your best life right here and right now. The fact is Jesus doesn't promise that, but he promises something so much better. He promises a super bread, super food, all our needs that this world cannot offer. He offers to us and he offers to us freely. Now the strange fact is a lot of people hear this offer and say to Jesus, thanks Jesus, but not now. It's not for me. What will you respond to this offer? How will you respond to this offer? Do you want your best life now? Or will you listen to Jesus? and have your best life for eternity. The bread that he offers to us to fill our souls, to nourish us, is given to us freely. The price that he paid on the cross for us that we might benefit from this. Ask yourselves, who is it that you will follow? Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for this sign that you've given. At the time then, 
and to us here today. Open our hearts and eyes, Lord, that we may see uh, the spiritual need within each of us, Lord, and the need that only you can fill. Forgive us, Lord, we have come to you wanting to fill our own earthly desires. Lord, we ask that we may refocus, have a mind like yours, that we may come to you and know that you offer spiritual life, spiritual food and eternal life. We thank you for this, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.